the Cleveland Browns are trading with the Houston Texans and acquiring quarterback Deshaun Watson. I know that my Browns finally care about winning. That's all we've been about for 20 years, okay? And I'm not here to judge anybody off the field, okay? That's not my business, okay? This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. We are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation on the Canty Collin line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. We don't know when we're going to see him play football. We do know when we're going to see him go in front of the media. The answer came today. He had his introductory press conference. The media asked him a lot of tough questions. Uh, It was definitely not easy street, and certainly all of his legal woes were the central focus of the press conference. Also for the Cleveland Browns as well, both the owner in Jimmy Haslam and the GM in Andrew Barry. So let's start here with Jimmy Haslam at Deshaun Watson's introductory press conference. He was asked, of course, about signing Watson admits all of these legal concerns. It was definitely conceived by football operations. I can tell you it was widely vetted throughout our organization, including ownership, but it was conceived in football operations. I think another way to say it is two different grand juries in two different counties looked at nine different criminal cases and decided not to move forward. We have to trust that process, okay? So I think that's really important. I haven't asked Deshaun this. Well, actually, we have. I know that Deshaun learned through this process, just like all of us do every day in life, particularly when we hit a bump in the road. A bump in the road uh, is an interesting way of putting it there, Harry. But uh, so they basically have left the legal process up to the legal system, it sounds like, is the approach of the Cleveland Browns. And they were certainly more focused. I mean, you heard it from Jimmy Haslam there. They were more focused on the football operations portion of things. And we know how good Deshaun Watson is as a football player. We haven't seen it in a year. But the last time we saw it, Harry, he was a top five player at his position. I have no reason to think that he would have lost a single stop. Yeah, the last time we seen Deshaun Watson play, he led the NFL in passing yards in 2020. And I know a lot of people can't even forget about when uh, the Houston Texans had a home playoff game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Buffalo Bills thought they had Deshaun Watson sack. And for some reason, he remarkably uh, uh, pulled out his magic and Houdini and the whole nine spun out of it and, and, and made a hell of a play. And then you, you look at the game against the Kansas City Chiefs when they went to Kansas City and they were up big in that game. And if it wasn't for their head coach at the time, Bill O'Brien, making some very, very questionable calls and mistakes in that game as a head coach, I believe the Houston Texans would have won that ball game. So Deshaun Watson, when you, when you talk about on the football field, he is a guy – they can play the game at a very, very high level. It's a reason why Dabo Sweeney said he's the Michael Jordan of football. Uh, you don't, you didn't hear him say that uh, Trevor Lawrence was the Larry Bird of football, or nothing like that, Amber. You know, he's he's the Michael Jordan of football for a reason. That's what he said, and he's a guy that I thought coming out of the draft that a lot of teams uh, passed on should have took, and he proved a lot of teams should have done that as well. 
Yeah, a lot of teams probably wish that they took him uh, originally. There were a lot of teams in the running, even now, of course, we know for Deshaun Watson, even in the midst of all of these legal troubles, there's no questions about Deshaun Watson in terms of the football player. There's no questions. We know how good he is at that position. He's young enough where I don't think there's really any questions about the fact that he hasn't been playing football, frankly, the last year. There's no reason to think that at 26 years old, you're not going to look maybe even better as a dual threat quarterback than, frankly, you looked the last time we saw you with getting to rest. And we're not right, and we're not getting hit for a year. I mean, it's possible that he's even better than the last time we saw him, and certainly is going to be on a better team than the last time we saw him play with the Texans as well. However, of course, there are still legal troubles out there. You heard the owner there reference the criminal complaints, and yes, we've gotten through those at this point with two grand juries, 10 no bills at this point, but there are still those 22 pending civil actions against Deshaun Watson, and reportedly, the Browns didn't speak to any of the women uh, involved in those civil lawsuits or any of the women who filed criminal complaints against Deshaun Watson either, Andrew Barry, the Browns GM, he was asked about that very thing. Here was Andrew Barry's answer. We were advised against reaching out directly to the 22 women out of concern that it would be considered interfering with a criminal investigation. And it's this, among several other reasons, that made it important for us to use independent investigative resources that were unbiased and comprehensive so that we could get a full picture and full perspective you know of the criminal and civil cases so it was through this time and through this work and uh, you know what we learned about Deshaun the person what we learned about uh, you know the civil and and, and and criminal proceedings and you know obviously you know uh, working through due process and legal process that got us comfortable with Deshaun the person I, th- I found those statements from Andrew Barry interesting because The Athletic had been reporting that the Browns spoke to two women who are part of Deshaun Watson's defense team as part of their investigation. You heard Andrew Barry say that they wanted to speak to people independent to have an unbiased view, so to speak, which is why they chose not to speak to the alleged victims or the alleged victim's attorney. They certainly spoke to Deshaun Watson's defense team, which is not an unbiased perspective. I also, frankly, can't figure out why it would have been prohibitive of a criminal investigation. I don't understand how them speaking uh, to at least the attorney there on the victim's side would have hindered an active investigation. And then, of course, there's the portion of this where the majority of those investigations were closed by the time we got to the point where the Browns were trading for Deshaun Watson. So all of that a bit interesting there coming from Andrew Barry, but the long and the short of it is Harry Douglas. He's a very good football player, and let's be honest, that's what the Browns here were focused on, and that's essentially what you heard them say. I I, I think so 100%, and (laughs) it's just crazy. That's the world that we're living in right now. But I I will say this, though, Amber, for them to talk to the to, to the alleged victims, I didn't think that was a good idea, but they actually could have talked to the lawyer. I think that that would have been uh, a better route in my eyes to go versus trying to talk to the victims, the alleged victims. Well, you know, and they could have, because they spoke to Deshaun Watson's attorneys, maybe they should have balanced that. Obviously, attorneys are always going to be advocating for their client, and it's not going to be an unbiased position, because when you're a lawyer, I know I am one, you're quite literally paid not to be unbiased, right? And so, of course, your entire job is advocating for your client. But if you're going to talk to one side, then sure, maybe you should probably gather some information from the other side. And then maybe also, I thought it was interesting, they at least didn't speak to Tony Buzzmeat just from the 
the regard of, hey, you know, there's these reports out there that other women have contacted you. Do you expect other lawsuits in the future? More criminal complaints because only 10 of the women filed criminal complaints. We know there's 22 civil suits. So and a couple of the women who filed the criminal complaints didn't even file suits in civil court. So there's that portion of this as well. Deshaun Watson was asked about those civil lawsuits. Is he going to settle them? I've said many times on air here that the huge, overwhelming majority of civil cases settle. Uh, over 98% uh, across the country settle. It's just the way that system works. It's a long, expensive process. And typically, most people end up in a position where settling makes the most sense for them. Here here was Deshaun Watson's answer. Trying to settle the 22 civil suits? Um, that's not my intent. My intent is to continue to clear my name as much as possible, and that's what I'm focused on. Frankly, as a lawyer, Harry, I could not have written that statement better. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what you want your clients to say. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he doesn't say no. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say whether he's settling that. Boy, that boy, intends that not boy, to settle that. That boy been coached well, hasn't he? Yes, that boy he been coached been. well. Yes. Uh, credit to Rusty Harden. He has been coached well. And, and he, frankly, in, in my assessment, he handled this press conference well. He was asked the questions, and certainly this press conference, Harry, was more focused on Deshaun Watson's legal issues than it was at all on football. And I think probably when we get to the NFL season, maybe that changes a bit. But let's be honest, these questions about the legal issues are not going away until the legal issues maybe subside. Coming up next, Harry Douglas will give us the five NFL matchups he is looking forward to the most this upcoming season. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's been a wild NFL offseason already this March. There's so many moves left to be made, and by March 25th, it has been a wild one, Harry Douglas. And because of that, a lot of these teams look different than they looked before. There's a lot of different pieces in place. The coaching carousel this season was wild as well before the NFL offseason and free agency and all of these trades. So let's unpack it all. I want to know, as the teams are currently situated, I want to know Harry Douglas's top five NFL matchups. We'll get to that in just one second, but ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Harry Douglas, take it away. Well, my very first one, we're going to start at number five. Number five. It's as easy. The San Francisco 49ers versus the Miami Dolphins. This is basically Amber, the teacher versus the student. We know Mike McDaniels. He's the guy who's been with Kyle Shanahan the longest throughout his coaching career. Now the two get a chance to face off against one another. I can't wait to see this matchup because Mike McDaniels is building that football team the same way that the San Francisco 49ers are built as well. Mike McDaniel was considered by many Kyle Shanahan's secret weapon. We'll see how this looks, though, with McDaniel, of course, as a first-time head coach. It can always go quite differently, but we're going to get to see. Was it McDaniel uh, propping up Shanahan? Is it Shanahan Ooh. propping up McDaniel? Are they both just geniuses? I cannot wait to watch this one either. This is going to be a very fun matchup. Yes. Number four. Number four. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers. And we all know why. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Last two times these two teams played each other. Tampa Bay won both of those games with the last one coming in the NFC Championship game at Green Bay. Now, one thing we do remember for that game, Amber, is that Matt LaFleur took the football out of Aaron Rodgers' hand on fourth down. 
And that was a big, big, big mistake. So I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup between these two guys. Aaron Rodgers is actually a guy who thought Tom Brady wasn't even going to be in the NFC this year. But Tom Brady, boom, came out with a surprise party and told him, no, I'm coming back to football. Now the NFC is Tom Brady's to lose. Yeah, uh, that's because Tom Brady saw how easy the NFC was becoming and how difficult the AFC was becoming, and he decided to come back and make Aaron Rodgers' life a little bit more difficult. I'm surprised that you have this one above the Shanahan-McDaniel matchup because I feel like, man, we've been here before. How have we been here before and then been here before (laughs) and then been here before and then been here before? And this time, it's not even going to look as good as it used to look, even amongst their current teams I'm talking about because – the Packers got worse. I, he they lost Devontae Adams. He, he lost did. Valdez Scantling. Like, they got worse. So the Bucks already owned this matchup, and now the Packers are even worse than they were back then. Aaron Rodgers got paid, but I don't think he got the edge in terms of this matchup. True story. Number three. Number three, the AFC North. We have a new thing going on in the AFC North, Amber Wilson, and I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. Joe Burrow versus Deshaun Watson when he's able to play. I love what the Cincinnati Bengals did in free agency, bringing in Ted Karras um, at the center position, uh, bringing in a, a new guard, bringing in Lyle Collins from from the Dallas Cowboys. They brought Hayden Hurst in as well. When you look at these two teams, last year the Browns actually beat the Bengals twice. I know the last game of the year, Joe Burrow didn't play, but the first time they did play each other, the Browns actually blew them out. So I'm looking forward to this new rivalry going on between these two teams in the state of Ohio. We keep spending a lot of time on the AFC West as a, as a, such a difficult division here. And we keep forgetting what the AFC North looks like as well. Maybe the Steelers, the odd men out in this picture, but yeah, the Bengals, the Browns, even throw the Ravens into that conversation. This will be a fun one to see these guys battle inside that division. I don't know when we're going to see it because we have no idea when we're going to see Deshaun Watson play football or for how long this season. But once we are able to start seeing that, that consistently, uh, it'll be a really interesting matchup to see these guys battle it out in that division. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and... And Harry Douglas. We're going through Harry Douglas's NFL matchups, his top five that he's looking forward to this upcoming season. Let's take it to the top two. Number two. Number two, I have Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert. And one thing that I did wish last year is that the Chargers actually got into the playoffs because they would have played the Kansas City Chiefs and I would have had them beating the Kansas City Chiefs because you look at the two games that transpired last year, the first matchup between the Chiefs and the Chargers. The Chargers won that matchup. The Chiefs turned the ball over four times. Justin Herbert threw four touchdown passes. The second time, the Chiefs won in overtime. Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey-like things. Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. Now, I will say this. The Los Angeles Chargers in that that last matchup they played, they went two for five on fourth downs. So if Brandon Staley can actually get it together and not put his defense in comparable situations, uh, the Chargers are going to be the team to beat in that division in my eye. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. And seeding the Chiefs as the team to beat. You heard me mention the AFC West. That's the hardest division in the NFL. I do think the Chargers are coming for the Chiefs in terms of that title, sitting atop the AFC West. The Chargers have done everything right this offseason. I don't know about their coaching, like you mentioned, but in terms of their defense, I feel a lot more comfortable about it than I did a month ago, Harry Douglas, and I can't wait to see it. I already didn't have questions about that offense, led by Justin Herbert, of course, whereas the Chiefs have gotten a little bit worse without Tyreek Hill, even though they've tried to plug the holes by bringing in 
some other receivers here. So I do think that this will be a really fun matchup watching Mahomes and Herbert battle it out for the top of the AFC West. Number one. Number one. J.C. Jackson of the Los Angeles Chargers versus Devontae Adam of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, J.C. Jackson recently was asked, I guess, about Devontae Adams. He said, I don't want to talk about him. They, they better be ready for us. So I can't wait to see this matchup. J.C. Jackson, a guy, since he's coming to the NFL, has the most interceptions, 25. Devontae Adams right now is the best wide receiver in football. So you think I'm not ready for a DB wide receiver matchup? I'm going to have my popcorn ready, and I might even have me a little, uh, nope, I'm going to drink some Kool-Aid. Sorry. I don't know what Devontae Adams looks like since college anyways, catching passes from his best friend in Derek Carr. I know he looks really good when Aaron Rodgers is throwing them to him. I also know that J.C. Jackson looks really good as well when he was on the Patriots, and he's helping bolster that Chargers defense. I feel like the Chargers won the NFL offseason, but I also ranked the Raiders right there with them in terms of the two teams that I thought did the most this offseason to improve. I'm also very much looking forward to this matchup. That'll be a fun one. And that was Harry Douglas's top five NFL matchups from coming off of a wild NFL offseason already. Speaking of that NFL offseason, coming up next, how does Tyreek Hill's new deal impact the wide receiver market? But first, a word from Indeed. If your hiring needs are heating up, you don't have to do it all by yourself. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates. With tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment that you sponsor a post. Invite them to apply, and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here hanging out with you. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. We have been unpacking all things NFL offseason and to help us do that further, we bring in our friend Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL insider to the show And Jeff, we've talked a lot today about Tyreek Hill and the Miami Dolphins. Devontae Adams got his payday. It seemed to reset the market. So then Tyreek Hill went out and realized his worth left the Chiefs. They couldn't afford him any longer. Have these guys completely reset the market now moving forward for everybody else? Because we have a whole bevy of receivers coming up who are about to get paid. Yes, Amber, to a degree, um, they've absolutely reset the market. And we see this time, time in time again with different positions. Um, there are certainly outliers, like when Patrick Mahomes did his deal, uh, it wasn't necessarily resetting it for the next contract since not everybody was going to get that money. So, I mean, you have to be a top three receiver to really put yourself in that space. But everything, high tide raises all boats. And that absolutely will be the case at the wide receiver position, You know, whether it's DK Metcalf or whoever, whoever comes after him. I, I think that what happened with Devontae certainly changed things for Tyreek Hill. I mean, I, that deal probably would have gotten done in Kansas City, and he would have stayed had it not been for the timing. Um, in the same month that, his, that Tyreek's negotiations started, that Devontae ended up getting traded and gotten that deal. So absolutely, it has, it has reset the market. 
Jeff, I think head coach Mike McDaniel has done a great job in bringing in free agents. You see he brought over Chase Edmonds, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill within a trade to run Armstead. How similar is this offense to the one in San Fran with all these changes? It, it's getting there for sure. I mean, when you see the fullback signings as well, uh, it, it absolutely is, is modeling itself after what Mike did with Kyle in San Francisco. And I think that the one thing I've seen out of the Dolphins this offseason is the general manager, Chris Greer, who's always, by the way, done a good job. He gets, he gets ripped a lot, and some of it's fair. But one of the things that I think he's always done really well is listen to his head coaches and try to get the type of players that the coach wants, which generally speaking should be the job of every general manager. And what he has done in the first offseason for a unique coach like Mike McDaniel is exactly that. I mean, he's getting the guys that fit exactly what Mike is trying to do with basically speed and a running game. And by the way, I think we're going to see Tyree Kill used in ways that we have not yet seen him uh, in Kansas City in Mike McDaniel's offense. That's a scary thought, considering what we did see from him in Kansas City. Jeff Darlington on with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. So talking about the Dolphins, I mean, I guess you're right. Those of us who spent a lot of time in Miami, it's hard for us to admit that Chris Greer probably does get an A, maybe even an A-plus for this offseason so far. But he certainly does. Does this mean now, though, that there's a ton of pressure on Tua moving forward? Because they have done everything they can to give Tua the protection and the weapons, Jeff. No question. Um, but, yeah, by the way, Chris Greer's like Lazarus. Like, I mean, left for the dead and all of a sudden just rises again, again this yep. offseason. Where I think Dolphins fans are kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. But with Tua, I mean, yes, you can definitely call it pressure. And it is pressure. But it's also like, I mean, he's set up to win. And that, that obviously comes with pressure. But at the same time, that's the kind of pressure any quarterback wants is, okay, everything's set up for me to win, so now I'm going to go win. And I think that, you know, all quarterbacks around the league um, deserve the chance to, to, you know, be a part of not just expected to put the team on, its sho- on his shoulders, but also get a little help along the way. And the Dolphins are doing that. They're going to get a clear evaluation to it. Um, and I think that the optimist would say, okay, now he should be able to, live up to his expectations. And, you know, we can call it the pessimist or the realist would probably say, we'll see. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what's going to make this coming season so riveting and so interesting. I'm glad we're talking about the quarterback position right now, Jeff, because there have been some little small things floating in the air. Um, <laughs> some things talking about there's a possibility at some point that Tom Brady might be going down oh, south. Boy. South as into the Miami Dolphins. Um, do you think there's a possibility of that happening in 2022 or at some point in 2023? I can tell you it will not happen in 2022. Um, it, it just won't. It's not going to happen. Uh, could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. Uh, might it have happened? Yeah, it might have happened. But right now, given where everything is, and I'm not trying to be all cryptic, but just given where the circumstances currently stand, Tom Brady will be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022, and there is no conversation, no discussion, no possibility that he will be traded anywhere outside of Tampa in 2022. Okay, Jeff. You know i got to keep the pressure on you, right? 
You said 2022. <laughs> That's all good, man. Let's move to 2023. Do you see <laughs> Tom Brady playing for the Miami Dolphins in 2023? Well, you know, I, I understand that's a possibility, but those kind of behind the scenes have recognized that Tom, first of all, is building a home in South Florida and has ties within Dolphins ownership and all those things. Uh, you know, I could see Tom eventually being attached to the Miami Dolphins organization, but the idea that he will – I mean, you know, there's all sorts of rumors, whether it's the ones about him potentially owning a part of the team or playing. I don't know that those things go hand in hand, though. Uh, we start to get into some very technical conversations about salary cap implications when we talk about a potential owner playing for a team. So we're a long way from that. Uh, again, I understand the conversation is warranted from the standpoint that it's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But right now... For 2022, he's going to play for the Bucks, And then in 2023, you know, he'll be a free agent. But I would say I would lean more towards saying Tom Brady will be in the ownership realm as opposed to the playing realm if it ever has to do with the Dolphins. When he's 45 years old. It's pretty remarkable that we'd even be talking about him I playing know. anywhere at 45. Uh, nevertheless, I down there. The I can never immortal. make me- He's immortal, y'all. Let's be I, serious I, here. Listen, I don't doubt it's he could true. do it if he wants to do it. I never put too much stock into people having a home in South Florida. Everybody has a home in South Florida. Yeah, in the that's NFL. a good point, too. <laughs> but Amber, Jeff, wasn't, it, wasn't it funny, Amber? I thought it was funny when Tyreek Hill was like, I'm going home. Right. And I was like, wait a second. And then I looked at his Wikipedia page. I'm like, I didn't know Tyreek Hill was from South Florida. And then I'm like, I can't find anything related to South Florida. But I guess he clarified he's got a house down here. Right, of course. <laughs> Every, and everybody has a house. Remember, we thought we were getting – we, sorry. The Miami Dolphins thought they were getting Peyton Manning at one point because he also had a home and everybody uh, has a that? home in South until Florida. The helicopter I do. Followed him, until the helicopter <laughs> followed him to his South Florida home. Yes, oh, I remember all of that drama so very well. Uh, very, very fun uh, conversation here, Jeff. Even though Harry Douglas couldn't nail you down, I really appreciate I, you I joining tried us. To, did I just? I talked around it, didn't I? You did, but <laughs> that's what you do. That, that he will play for the Bucks in 2022. That, that you know what, and you're not wrong. So there you go, ESPN NFL Insider <laughs> Jeff Darlington. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Coming up next. How does Tyreek Hill's new deal impact the wide receiver market? You heard Darlington weigh in there. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. And I have to give America, Harry, a little insight into the mind of one Harry Douglas. Because I have learned that you can take the athlete off the field, but you can't ever take the field out of the athlete? That didn't work out how it was supposed to go in my head. The point <laughs> is that you are still the ultimate athlete because you are out here trying to challenge yourself in all sorts of strange ways because now you you don't have the challenge of football, so you're still out here challenging yourself to see how disciplined you are in your normal life that all of us are living. And the latest development on that front is red meat. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, for the month of March, I have given up red meat. Now, I'm a guy who eats steak normally about 
three to four times a week. So this was huge for me. And I love me some ribs. I love me some steak. I love all that kind of stuff. So the month of March, I have been very, very disciplined. I have not had any red meat. I am eating nothing but chicken and shrimp because shrimp is the only seafood that I eat. I do not like fish because it's nasty. I don't like that fishy taste in my mouth. it's not. You're wrong there. But now, so now you're like, so you're super limited in what you'll even eat outside of red meat. You don't want to expand those horizons a little bit here as, as it's part of your disciplinary approach well I, i've tried fish I, I don't like it at all it, it, it is terrible it is Not terrible in my eyes fish harry but douglas you, know, you live you know in the south crazy? you live in the I gotta, deep I gotta south tell you, i gotta tell you all this i am a chef in my spare time and i have a little video up there espn in bristol cooking up some some steak i'm a chef in my spare time and i can cook any type of fish it is and this is how you know i'm a damn good chef amber listen i don't even have to taste my food because i don't like fish i don't even taste it i just serve it to whoever i'm cooking it for that's all i do really yes that that wow well i don't cook fish because it smells up the whole house so that's something i'm out on but i definitely would eat it it's like i i I didn't eat red meat for 10 years or over 10 years but it was very easy for me because i am a seafood kind of person anyways so i'd rather opt for seafood over steak i don't like anything enough to eat it five nights in a row like you're doing with steak out here that is some serious discipline though like why are you even doing this are we are we watching our girlish figure what are we doing well, you know, I got to watch my figure a little bit. And I like to uh, have different ways of showing myself discipline. And I had a button-up shirt, right? And I popped the top neck on my button. And I said, you know what? <laughs> I need to go on my little diet. I got to watch my figure. So, so your neck got a little bit too hefty for yeah. your collar. And my wife and laughed at me, too, and I was upset about it. I said, now, if this was you, I wouldn't have laughed at you. Well, no, that's true. That's a smart man. You would not have laughed at her. It's still okay that she laughed at you. But apparently this had a very big impact on Harry Douglas. I'm just out here marveling about the fact that Harry Douglas is still trying to challenge himself. Mm -hmm. And that to me is just such an athlete thing that like you need to challenge yourself in all these areas in life. ESPN Radio. So Harry Douglas, we saw wide receivers get paid. There was a moment in time where Devontae Adams was the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL history. And then a minute later, Tyreek Hill became the wide re- highest wide receiver in NFL history. Four years, $120 million extension. That included $72.2 million guaranteed. Now, there's a whole bunch of receivers that are about to come up in terms of their deals that are about to have a payday. You have Diggs, you have Debo, you have Cup, you have Chase, Jefferson, A.J. Brown. You have, of course, D.K. Metcalf. We asked Jeff Darlington about this. He did say that he feels like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are resetting the market some. But, of course, you have to be a top three, you know, maybe five wide receiver in order to command such a big payday. Do you see this having an everlasting effect? They can't all be top three receivers. Um. No, they can't all be that, but I, I do see it having an effect on the NFL and the wide receiver position. And you look at the top three guys right now. You have Tyreek Hill at $30, mil, uh, 30, 30 uh, million dollars a year, Devontae Adams at $28 million, and DeAndre Hopkins at twenty seven. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, um, his $27 million is what had Devontae Adams uh, looking at the market like, okay, I need to be the highest paid guy. So they got him at twenty eight. Tyreek Hill, with all the different things that he could do on the football field, even if you want to put him in a return game, he could do it at the running back position, he could do it at the wide receiver position. We've seen in uh, the game against the Buffalo Bills, you just throw it to him over the middle, he's going to go out the back door and score a touchdown. He's that electrifying. 
But here's the thing I want to look at. You look at a guy like Cooper Cup, who led this year the NFL in receiving yards, catches, touchdowns. He's making $15 million a year. The Rams are robbing him. And then you look at a guy like Stephon Diggs, who kind of had a little down year this year, but Stephon Diggs is a productive wide receiver in the National Football League. He's making 14. Now, this is where the highway robbery really begins. Debo Samuel in 2022 is supposed to make $1.8 million a year. Jamar Chase, I believe it's seven. Um, he's still close on this little rookie thing, and he was drafted very, very high. Justin Jefferson, highway robbery, $3.2 million. A.J. Brown, highway, highway robbery, $1.4 million. D.K. Metcalf, you might just put the ski mask on your head and just go take it from him. $1.1 million. And so I say that to say that for all these football teams, if you're the Bills, now Stephon Diggs, I don't know if the Buffalo Bills are going to give, if they're going to give him a contract like that based on uh, how long he's been there already and they might be trying to move forward uh, with, with another guy. You never know. The San Francisco 49ers, they should have paid Debo this year because I believe you can pay him early right now. I think this is the window where you can actually give him um, that extension. Jamar Chase, he has to wait, but Jamar Chase, when it's his turn, oh, my gosh. That 30 mil a year, a guy like Jamar Chase, he's going to get that easy. Easily, easily. Well, well you, you're talking about this highway robbery, and you started out with Cooper Cup. I mean, I think all of us agree that he's obviously one of the best receivers here in the NFL. We know he received the MVP vote, right? He got mm -hmm. a vote for that. He had 22 more catches than Devontae Adams this season, uh, 331 more yards than Justin Jefferson. He is a guy who you would think, okay, obviously Cup is looking at these deals thinking, I'm about to get paid, but he's only two years removed from that four-year $47.25 million care. deal with the Rams Amber. that he signed. But the, And this I is what has care. happened with the receiver market. Like That deal, when he signed that a couple of years ago, looked like a good deal for Cooper Cup. Now it looks like a, a terrible deal for Cup and an amazing deal for the Rams. I would think that after this season – they're going to have to pay him and pay him a lot. Not all of the, like, I understand what you were saying about every single one of these receivers on the list. Mm. But again, not every one of these receivers can walk into the front office and say, I'm Tyreek Hill. Not everybody can be Tyreek no. Hill. Not everybody can no. be Devontae Adams. But Cooper Cup can be. But I'll tell you, a guy, I'll tell you a few who probably can. Justin Jefferson, when mm. it's his turn. Because of his productions he's, he's had so far in the National Football League, he can go and say, hey, this is what I want. And if he doesn't get uh, top three money, it should be top four. Um, when you look at a guy like Cooper Cup, he probably can go and say that. Now, Cooper Cup probably wouldn't do that. Jamar Chase, when it's his turn, he can go and do that. Now, A.J. Brown, uh, probably not top three or top four, even top five money, but he deserves to get paid because – he has been the guy that the Tennessee Titans have leaned on outside of Derrick Henry, right? And then you look at D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf, him and A.J. Brown, two guys who played on the same team at Ole Miss. And my goodness, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Hugh Freeze. He coached both of these guys. And I don't know how in the hell Ole Miss, and they had Van Jefferson as well. I don't know how Ole Miss did not make it as like far with those three at the wide receiver position, but they didn't. Hugh Freeze, you got to step it up even more. I know you're at Liberty, you got to step it up even more. But I will say this, those guys in these teams, if you're the Seahawks, if you're the Titans, if you're the Vikings, um, if you're the 49ers, 
I would try to pay these guys now because the longer you wait, the price is going to go up. Well, hold on. Push it, push, push, push it. Pusha T just came out with a, with a song called Diet Coke. Yesterday's price is not today's price. So they better go ahead and pay these boys before the price goes up. Because every day, every year, it's going to go higher. It's going to get higher and higher and higher. Well, and reportedly, the Titans and A.J. Brown have been in those preliminary contract extension talks. So some of these teams are starting to realize that. That was even before uh, this Tyreek Hill deal. Uh, So, you know, these teams are looking to extend these guys. I'm not going to put A.J. Brown in that conversation, though. Like, if A.J. Brown walks into my office and says, I want Tyreek Hill money, I'm like, what? No, you know, you I'm not, and no. I'm not trying to take anything There's away from AJ him. Brown. He's it's nothing against him. He's a he's still a phenomenal but at least, player. But at least twenty mil a year. Well, that's fine. What is it? I think isn't he making eighteen right now? What did you say he was making? No, no, no. He is making this year one point four million dollars. Oh, if, if we're just if we're just basing off. One yeah, and a half. Just, if you're just basing per year, though, yes. uh, with the size of his contract, I see Facts. what you're doing there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, his contract, that makes the contract look one, much worse than it was when he signed it. But yeah, with A.J. Brown, I mean, he's just not, to me, one of those top three. Great receiver, important weapon for Tannehill. Yep. He missed, yep. what, numerous, wasn't he out six games yeah, last he, season? He, he missed a few games last year. Yeah, I mean, everybody on the Tennessee Titans missed at least a few games last year. Uh, but if I'm A.J. Brown, maybe that makes your positioning there a little bit more difficult uh, with negotiating. Uh, you know, you're right with all of these guys in the position. Now, Justin Jefferson, they could pick up his fifth year option. I think uh, they can pick that up in 23. Like there may be some time here for them to pay Jefferson, but absolutely what Tyreek Hill has done here and Devonte Adams before him is make these conversations for these front offices more difficult with these yes. receivers. We're seeing what's happening with the quarterback market. Now we're seeing it with the receiver market. Not everybody can be the top paid on your team. You're already seeing it cost teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're star weapons. And Amber, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll be honest with you. See, being a former wide receiver, I want to see these wide receivers get their money. I'm sure you do, yeah. I want, I want to see them get paid. Because, see, we do so much running on the football field. We got to run 50 yards. Run all the way back to the huddle. Run 30 yards. Run all the way back to the huddle. You know, that's a lot of running that we have to do. Now, next thing you know, we're old, and we got to explain to our kids, hey, daddy can't run today because daddy ran a million miles while playing the National Football League. The next thing you know, you're old and you're not eating red meat any longer. Uh, like we learned, Harry Douglas isn't right now. Ne- coming up next, we go back to Deshaun Watson. He had his introductory press conference today.